So I feel like I should talk about fertility issues because that's really what I, I, I did have for four years. I still do. I was diagnosed at the age of 13 and a half with polycystic ovaries um, or polycystic ovary, ovarian syndrome. I never really thought much about it because when I was diagnosed with it, to be fair with you, there wasn't much on it. It wasn't very well known. It's something that really doesn't get caught out on unless, well, I have hair growth on my chin, excessive hair growth at that, um, and my periods were really erratic, like, when I could get a really, really heavy period, and then I was maybe going three months without a period, and it just wasn't really normal. My auntie suffers from it, so my mum had knew kind of about it, and I did come home and say, like, I'd been growing hair on my chin, and people had been pointing out in school, and I was just really getting upset about it. So... I dealt with it for years, you know, they did tell me back then, or they told my mum t- to break the news to me really, that um, it would be really hard to fall pregnant. And I never really thought about it, I suppose, until I hit about 17, when my maternal instincts really kicked in. And I really did want to become a mum and, you know, I, I just I felt like I was meant to be a mum. So that was fine. And four years I tried, I'd actually fell pregnant in 2016, found out two days before Christmas. And I sadly miscarried when I was around seven weeks pregnant. So I wanted to know why I had miscarried because really miscarriage is a really big thing because a lot of people do suffer. Do It does happen to them, but it's not really spoke about. And I never thought it was going to be me, I suppose, as everybody else seems to think. But it did happen. And I, it was it was quite horrific, I find, for myself. And when I'd phoned the hospital to kind of tell them, like, this baby has came away from me or they would have called it a fetus, came away from me, what do I do? You know, the response was, well, it's not a baby, so you either flush it down the toilet or you bin it. And it was quite harrowing, um, and it, it's something that has stayed with me. So I didn't fall pregnant. Me and my husband, we had tried and tried and tried, and I just thought it was never going to happen. We got married in 2019 in the August, and in January 2020, we had had a discussion. I was going on a night out, and I had said, like, I can't do it anymore. I was taking all these pregnancy tests, and it just they were coming back negative. And I just, I was so unhappy. And my, my words to me, if I'm meant to be an auntie, and that's the only thing I'm going to ever be, then, you know, I'll, I'll deal with that. You know, it's, I'd rather deal with that than not. And I've got kids in my life, and I can spoil them more. And, and I'm maybe just not meant to be a mum. So in February, um, the leap day... I actually found out I was pregnant. I went off checking. I was really feeling sick, really nauseous. And I came home and my husband had got my pregnancy test and he's like, well, you need to take this. Like, you're so erratic. Um, my moods were horrendous and the thought of having chicken because I'd got myself a Chinese and, oh, God, the thought of eating the chicken made me feel really sick. And I took the test and I was pregnant. So, worry kicked on straight away because, obviously, they told me that if I ever fell pregnant, it was a 30% chance of the baby ever surviving it. They told me that I had a 5% chance of ever having a boy. Um, So, I went on the sick. I thought, well, I need to rest as much as I can rest. And then COVID happened. So, COVID happened and, basically, I'd done it all by myself. You know, I had to go to all my appointments by myself... I was at every scan by myself and I'd already been, before I'd been to a scan and got told my baby had passed away and then the next thing, I was doing this again 12 weeks and I remember sitting in that hospital waiting room and you get a mask on and it was absolutely scorching this day. 
and I remember texting my husband and I remember being like, like I feel physically sick, I feel like there's going to be something wrong with this baby and I'm not going to be able to cope with it, I'm not going to be able to do it and I remember him texting me back and like if they still not took it and I honestly think, they must have been about 25 minutes late taking me and I remember going in and when they scanned me, this baby just appeared on the screen and I, I couldn't believe it really. So at this point in Scotland or Britain, they hadn't decided what the safe period was for women to work while being pregnant. So I didn't go back to work just yet. Hit 16 weeks and we found out it was a boy. Very shocked, as I was told, it was really, really low chances. So I decided to go back to work, but as they'd come out and said it was 28 weeks. And I thought, well, I just need to get to 28 weeks and then if worse comes to worse, I'll get furloughed. But then the furlough had stopped. So I worked, I was 32 weeks pregnant and then I had to call it quits because night shift was just, it was it was killing me, you know, coming home and being so tired and my sleeping wasn't right. So I was maybe sitting up for two days in a row and then the consequences of that is because then you're concentrating so much on trying to feel your baby kick, you're not feeling it, even though the baby is kicking. So I was ended up, I got to about 32 weeks, 33 weeks and 32 weeks I'd finished and then went to the hospital because I couldn't feel him kick. Now a little thing here for you is when you don't feel your baby kick, see nine times out of ten when you go to the hospital and they put that monitor on you, that baby is going to kick and you're going to be made out to be a liar. So at 35 weeks and four days, we had dinner and I remember going to the toilet and it was like 5 to 8 at night and I remember, it's so disgusting, but I remember doing the toilet and I just felt this thing, like, I don't even know how to describe it, but I just remember feeling a sting come away from me, and it was, like, jelly, almost. And I remember touching it, because I was like, what the fuck is this? I remember shouting out to my husband, I'm like, by the way, something's just came away from me, and it's not right. Now, my little boy, he had been very low. He had been in position and getting lower from about 27 weeks. And, you know, the girl that was always scanning me, she did say, this wee boy's eager to come out. But the amount of people that tell you, like, I just knew it was going to come early, I really did. And the amount of people that kept telling me I was wrong and, you know, they thought their one was going to come early or their one was always engaged. But I just, I honestly felt like sometimes I was walking, it was just going to fall out of me. And it sounds really stupid and I got told I was being stupid. But seeing how you fall pregnant, half of these people in hospitals haven't even had children. That's the best part. So I remember going to the hospital and this, this foreign nurse, this foreign doctor, sorry, did I say, come in? Lovely, she was lovely, but a bit aggressive down below. I remember watching my husband as she was examining me to find out if my water had leaked, if my waters were leaking, or it had just been my mucus plug, that's what the jelly stuff was. And I remember looking at my husband as she had the spectrum and she'd opened me up and she's like, no, you're, you're a centimetre and a half dilated um, and your waters are leaking. And I remember looking at him and he was chalk white because she was just being so rough down below. Little did I know men are more gentle down there than what the women are. So they kept me in and they had to give me steroid injections because obviously I was only 35 weeks and four days. They kept me in and they got me to 36 weeks. And I remember getting out of hospital and I'd had, now, a jag in the bum. You get it twice, right? Obviously, if your baby's early, it's to help their lungs develop quicker. And they said to me, we're going to try and get you to 37 weeks. We've got you at 36. If we can get you to the following week, then we're going to basically induce you. So I remember getting out and it was a Wednesday and I got home and on the Thursday I went to the hospital and my bloods had gone down my um bloods had gone down to eighty one, which is really bad. 
So I had to go to the hospital every two days and get bloods taken and make sure I was okay. I've been putting all these tablets and I remember being in the hospital and they scanned me and then the doctor came in, it was a male doctor, he'd seen me in the hospital and he honestly was like, there's so much fluid around the baby. If I never checked you, knew your waters were breaking or leaking, sorry, which was my hind waters. So there's two sets when the baby lowers, it kind of separates your waters and it makes two set of waters. And my wee boy had broken, like, not broken, but had put a slice, as they called it, in the water sack. And he's like, I would never have thought you were in labour. I'd have told you, like, no, you're fine. So I remember getting my bloods taken and I remember just feeling awfully sick. Like, I just, I really felt ill. And they couldn't get blood from me. And it didn't matter how many times I told these these nurses and that, look, I'm really bad to get blood from. Not one of them listened to me. So this was October the 16th. No, October the 15th, sorry. So I went to bed that night and I just see lying down. I couldn't breathe. I got up and down all night and I bounced on my ball and I bounced on my ball and I just, you know, I didn't feel right at all. So, the 16th of October, around 8 o'clock, I remember phoning my mum and saying to my mum, mum, I don't feel right. I really don't feel good, you know, I, I, I just, I can't breathe, like, I really can't breathe, like, I feel like somebody's sitting on my chest. And she's like, right, well, they did tell you, like, if anything's wrong, because now, you, so your mucus plug basically protects you from getting any infection in your room. And mines had gone and my waters were leaking. So because my waters hadn't fully ruptured, they couldn't put me into labour because once your waters fully rupture, you kinda get like two days to have a baby and then they would be like, Right, okay, we need to do something. But mines hadn't and he was perfectly healthy, you know, the waters were all still there kind of thing, so he was okay. But they did say because my mucus puck had gone, it probably wouldn't regrow, so if I was not well at all, they would basically need to induce me then there. So I remember phoning Paisley, the maternity ward, and I was like giving them the spiel again and they're like, right, okay, you need to come in, but you need to stand outside because you need to be COVID tested because you have a cough which comes on the sore chest. We don't think it's anything to worry about, but we still need to COVID test you. So my husband, God bless him, he had to sit out in the car and he was not allowed in to see me at all. And because my COVID test hadn't come back, so they took me into the labour ward and they took me down to the very the furthest away room you could get. And it was actually a really nice room, by the way. Took me in and they basically, I wasn't allowed to shower because I hadn't showered or anything like that. I literally got up and brushed my teeth and left to go to the hospital. Um, and God bless them, they, they fed me, supplied me with hundreds of Lucozade because that's what they give you. Well, that's what they give you in the hospital. I was in anyway, Lucozade. And they were taking me for tests. They didn't know if I had a blood clot. They didn't really know what was going on. And then it came back. I had a severe chest infection. I never had a chest infection in my life. But I did. And I had a specialist in to put a cannula in me. And I remember my, my test results came back. And my husband was still out in the car. And when the doctor came in, I was like, my husband's still out in the car. What Can what, can he come in and see me at least? And she's like, no. She's like, but what I'm going to basically say to you is, we are going to maybe induce you tonight. So tell your husband to go home, get asleep, because I would say there's a probability, 99.9% sure that you're going to be induced tonight, but the doctors will come round at night time and they'll assess you and see what you think. So I was like, okay, well, that's fine. Husband went home and I told him basically, get everything ready, make sure the house is clean, because we could be having this baby at any point. So I remember I finally was allowed to go for a shower and I think that was the best part of it all. I was finally allowed to go for this shower. But I had to wait the doctor. Doctors came in um, and they checked me over and basically there was about five or six of them. 
And I remember saying to me, basically, you know, we're really concerned you've got this chest infection and we can't give you what you need to, to fight the, the chest infection and we don't want the baby getting it. So we're going to give you one or two options, but we probably think after we've told you the first option, you would take it. So we'll give you the second option first, which is we play the waiting game. We hook you up to fluids and we get you to 37 weeks and we hope that the chest infection leaves, but you can't leave the hospital. Or your first option, which we would have gave you, is we induce you at 10 o'clock tonight. So you will get a pair today, but we'll only give you one because you've already started to dilate. And that basically goes inside you and that starts your contractions kind of thing. And we'll give you that. And then if your husband comes for about half past four, then we'll start you on the drip. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go with that. My husband already knows that I was going to go with that option anyway. So I remember going for a shower and I phoned my husband and I was like, right, okay, they're going to start me. You need to be here at half four in the morning, get a shower, shave, shave your hair, um, shave your beard and get ready to come up. Stop by, if I was you, I would stop by Asda, get yourself energy juice, get yourself sandwiches, like, it's just because I don't know how, obviously, your first time having a baby could be very long. So that was fine. I remember going to sleep after they'd given me the person and I'd been for this amazing shower. And I remember them, I remember dreaming about having contractions, but it was just like period cramps, really. I remember the, the, the night girl coming in, my night midwife, and she was so lovely, like, she really was a lovely lady. And she came in and she's like, are you all right? I'm like, oh, just having a bit of tightening. And she, she was looking at the screen she's like, you know you're having a contraction every three minutes, yeah? I was like, oh, why am I? And she's like, yeah, you should have buzzed me. She's like, right, well, get at quarter to four, so you'll be fine till half past four. I remember my husband got outside at about four o'clock and I remember her coming in and I says, what, my husband's outside, is there any chance he could come in? She's like, yeah, because I think we're just going to get you started. So they got me hooked up to the drip. And I think, I don't remember much of my labour. I remember them giving me the gas in there and I remember asking them, well, how do I get that installed in my room? And then after that, it's really a blur. I mean, I don't remember much. I remember just being so comfortable and then they were telling me to move because I wasn't comfortable looking, but I really was. And then they had me move all these positions and then they made the bed into a chair. So they put the back right up and then they lifted the bottom and made it so I could put my feet up and as if I was sitting and oh my god see until you have the baby or you know if you're currently pregnant or not it is honestly the most amazing position you'll ever get in your life I remember I remember telling her I needed to poo because that's that's what it felt like so I didn't realize from eight centimeters your body is ready to your body feels like it's ready to push kind of thing I remember telling her, I need to poo, I need to poo. And she's like, look, you're only eight centimetres. But what had happened now, I know, is my wee boy's head was getting squished because he was trying to come out and the, the, I wasn't 10 centimetres. So they slowed my drip down and I remember them coming in and going, how are you feeling? I went, oh, it's great getting a break. And she's like, right, okay, we need up this. This baby needs to come out. And I remember a student nurse coming in. Now, because of COVID, the student nurses missed out on their first year of placement. So basically we're in a second year and doing our first year and this girl came in and she was basically delivering my baby and I remember saying to her, oh, I'm so sorry that you need to look down there and I remember them going like, okay, you need to push and I remember actually going, no, I'm no fucking sorry and I remember pushing and pushing and there's no pain like the head. I'll not forget it anytime soon. There's no pain like that head breaking through. That is really sore and... 
I remember them taking the gas in the air off me because I was too busy focusing on the gas in the air. And then I pushed and he came out. He just, you know, he, he was, he, he came flying out. And uh, he fell in the bed and they had to pick him up quickly and get him all checked. And he was crying straight away. And, you know, they tell you when you have your baby, like, if they don't cry straight away, don't be concerned. Because they don't clear their mouths either. So they swallow all that mucus, um, which is mad. And I had him at a minute to 11 on Old Firm Day in Scotland. And my family are massive Rangers fans. And he, the one that day, as you can imagine, it's a good omen kind of thing. I had him at a minute to 11 on the 17th of October. And it was honestly the most surreal, amazing, exhausting moment of your life and I'll tell you now when they come in and they offer you that slice of toast it is the best slice of toast you'll ever have in your life and I used to think folk were nuts and they're not um but it is it's, it's so surreal having a baby you know you can't if it's your first time baby you know you picture what's labor going to be like what's this going to be like and you just you can't think about it because it's it's not and I've spoke to people and they've always said, like, what was your birth plan? And I didn't have a birth plan because I witnessed my best friend, you know, have this birth plan. And she was going to breastfeed and she was going to have a baby naturally. And she'll tell you herself, you know, she got to nine centimetres, ten centimetres, and she didn't have that urge to push. And she ended up having to get a section right enough because she was so exhausted. And then her baby just wasn't getting the milk from her and, you know... I remember being in that hospital and being next to a girl who was pressured into breastfeeding. And if you don't want to breastfeed, you don't breastfeed, that's it. Your baby is not going to suffer anymore. Okay, there's maybe benefits to it, but I done pretty well. And my little boy is so advanced for being born at 36 weeks and two days. So advanced. And, you know, lifting his head from a very early age. They came in... Obviously, I'll go into detail, but when the midwives come in, they do a check on them around about 10 weeks. And it's to make sure they're hitting like certain milestones, because the baby obviously needs to hit a milestone every every day is a milestone, in a sense. And I remember her coming in at eight weeks, and she's like, nah, we're going to do this now, like, 100%. Your wee boy is ready to, to get these things done. And you're putting him on tummy time, and he was lifting his head up, and it was just little things like that. But, you know... It is, it's, it's crazy what you, what you go through. Um, But I will say baby blues. Well, we need to talk about the baby blues. You know, that's a really, it's such a, a weird thing to experience. So I always get told about baby blues and it, it kicks in two days after you have them, which is true. But So I had him on the Saturday, got home the Monday night. And when I was in the hospital, I decided to put him on Actimum which I was recommended to put them on because it is like the breast. It's like breast milk. And I remember putting them on it. And I ha- there's not much research when it comes to, to milk. I have read that Actimal doesn't agree with a lot of babies, you know, but my baby wasn't going to be one of those babies. And I remember being in the hospital and it was this nurse. Now, I can't... It's so sad because one person and how maybe shit they are because she couldn't be bored, it was a Sunday, she didn't want to work, that was kind of the attitude of it. And I remember her coming in and I, and I said to her, look, I just, my wee boy's broken and he's spitting out more milk than he's taking, is this normal? And he'd been weighed and he'd lost a little bit of weight, which is normal. And she's like, all milk's kind of the same, just persevere with it, you're not persevering with it. 
I remember thinking, right, okay, just something wasn't right. I just felt off, but, you know, I persevered because I'm a first-time mum and I don't know much. That's the way I felt. Maybe I was made to feel, I suppose. I remember getting home on the Monday night and I remember my husband just, you know, we got home, we'd been visiting. I know you weren't supposed to, but there was no way I wasn't letting my papa, who has now sadly passed away, not meet my little boy, you know. And I was like, no, like, I'm, he's going to meet family. Like, people are out there having parties. Like, my little boy's meeting family. They're all okay. Don't go anywhere. We went and met family, just immediate family. And I remember getting in, and it was, like, half half seven at night. I was so exhausted, and I remember getting a takeaway. And the house was a bomb site. And I remember my husband, like, what was the point of me kind of cleaning? And I was like, we'll get it in the morning. Don't worry about it. We need to get a good sleep. And I assumed when we took the Moses back basket out that you wouldn't need to build it because on the box it literally was like easy, easy to build, which in my head would be easy to build. And the box was massive, right? Too big for what came. So when we took it all out, oh, I had to, it had to get built. And I remember my husband just looking at it and being like, basically shit. And I was so emotional. And it, my people wouldn't get put down, he just wasn't right, you know, he just, he wasn't right at all. This milk, I just, it, it was in the back of my head and I kept saying it to my husband, the milk, the milk, the milk, the milk. And I remember my husband getting really frustrated. And I remember looking at him at one point and he was actually, he wasn't really crying because it was just like, we've got this new baby. He was only allowed two, one, hour, one two hour visit with him and then when he came in to see him the second time, we, we were going home. So he never got to see his wee boy all day. It was like, like, I came home, it's like, there's a baby, this is how you change a nappy, this is how you wind and burp. On you go, like, let's go. Because during COVID, there was, there was no classes for, for parents, and it, it was difficult. You know, you're, you're trying to research, you're trying to ask people, but it was really hard, and that's probably the worst part of COVID, because I never even got the option to try any classes, so I had to learn myself. And it, it just, it really was difficult. And I remember just sitting on that bed and I remember crying because my wee boy wouldn't let me put him down. And I remember it was like one o'clock we went to bed. But he was waking up every hour and a half, even when I was holding him, because he was hungry and he just he wasn't enjoying his milk. And I remember putting him in his bed and then I woke up at four and I just half four came and I got up. And I remember half five, quarter to six, and I phoned my mum and I was in tears. I was in tears. And she's like, you've just got a bit of baby blues. And it is, it's real. Baby blues is real. I was so emotional for days. And I remember saying to my mum, like, the milk's not right, it's the milk, it's the milk. And she's like, right, well, you go and get the milk changed. And I remember thinking, like, I've tried for hours over this. And you have just, like, literally said sense. And then we're going to make my husband up. And I was like, we need to get the house sorted. Let's go to Asda, let's change his formula, and we'll see what happens. If he doesn't take to it, we need to speak to the midwife when she comes. I need to know. We went in and we changed him to Cowingate. And what a difference. Uh, honestly, what a difference. Straight away. He took it and took the full ball and I was just, I couldn't believe it. And I put him in his bouncer and he slept for about three hours. And I was just like, no way have you just done that. And I remember the midwife coming out and I told her what happened. And she was so angry and she was like, who was your midwife? And I will phone and I will complain. And to be fair with you, I couldn't remember for the life of me. Um... He had a wee bit of jaundice, and I didn't know that either, but if you sit your baby in front of natural light, it helps clear up jaundice. And when you think of jaundice, you think, oh, that's really bad, it's liver, da 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 But it's not, it's, it's very common, especially because he was so wee. 
I mean, he was only six pound eight ounces, so God knows what he would have been when he was born. He'd have been huge. Um, but yeah, it is, and it's so your know, baby boys are so hard because you have a midwife coming out every day, and they're, they're really fixated on it now because baby boys can lead into postpartum depression. Um, did I have a bit of postpartum? Probably, yeah, I probably did because I just yeah, I just was angry. I was angry at my husband, you know, for no reason. I was just angry, like, how do you get sat in a computer? And I don't. But I could, because it, my wee boy was sleeping, but, like, I'm a mum now, so why can't you not be like me and just, like, be tired? Yeah, it was hard, it really was, and I didn't want to admit I needed help a lot of the time. Like, no, I'll just do it, no, I'll just do it. And I remember him sitting me down and being like, you need to stop. See, when he's crying, you you can't take him off me. Like, I need to learn to deal with him myself. And I hadn't realised I was really doing it until he pointed it out. I think for me, that was maybe part of my postpartum was control. And if I didn't have control, I really didn't like it. Like, I think I've only just really got over it because I remember his first, first lot of jags I took him, he was fine. And his second lot of jags, he took a really, really upset. He was really upset for days. He didn't want me, and I remember feeling lost. Like, this isn't right. Like, why does my wee boy not want me and he wants his dad? Like, he's never wanted his dad. And that sounds really horrible, but as a mum, you know, my husband had to go back to work in a sense because he was working from home, so he had to go back to work. And I just remember thinking, like, why don't you want me? Like, this isn't fair. You know, and as it's just, it's really hard. It is, and I, I, I say that, and it is, you, you don't know until it happens to you. Um, and the only advice I could give is just, yeah, admit you need help because I wish I had. I remember feeling guilty. I gave my mum, it was a week old, a week and a day, and I remember giving my mum, but I was exhausted and it was the first bit of help I'd asked for, really. And I remember, I remember me and my husband dropping them off at half eight in the morning and I remember climbing up my bed at nine o'clock and we slept till four until four o'clock we slept because we were so exhausted and I remember picking him up and I was just like a new person and I realised I did need the help and I should ask for help but postpartum comes in a lot of ways and I think everybody does must everyone must suffer with it in a certain degree but whether that's you know having a, a section that you never thought you were going to have or your baby not taking to the, the breast or just in general, you had a really horrific childbirth. Or you, maybe your baby doesn't sleep and my baby didn't sleep. And a lot of people was like, oh, my baby sleeps. My baby takes eight ounces. My baby does this. My baby does that. Well, bullshit. My baby didn't sleep for the first two months. My baby didn't bring up wind. He had colic. He was clingy. Just wanted held 24-7. You could not put him down. It got to the point where when I went for a shower, he had to watch me as a two-month-old because it was the only way I could shower. Um, but I wouldn't change him and I wouldn't change my experience because it, it, it made me appreciate being a mum. It made me appreciate that life isn't easy. It's not. It was hard, though. It really was. And I had a really good birth, and I, I I didn't understand why I'd felt this way, but then I was really unwell, you know, I still had a chest infection, I was fighting, 
and it just it was it was bad but you know he's happy he's healthy than now he's progressing so well you know that's him he's six months a week on saturday and i can't believe it it does fly time really does fly and you know enjoy every moment enjoy the smiling the laughing the watching telly the, the weaning them because we have started weaning my little boy you know he was waking up every hour I couldn't do it. I could not wake up every hour with him. And we had increased his bottle to nine ounces. I had to, so I started off in porridge with him. But it worked for us. And that is a thing. You could read all the books going, but your baby's going to tell you what he needs or what she needs. And at the end of the day, you go by what they need. But, no, honestly, and I feel like I want, I want people to know that it's okay to be frustrated. I want people to know that... Teething's a different game, and I'll tell you about that in another podcast. But teething, you know, my boy's teething right now, and I have several times just stood in the kitchen for two minutes while he's gurning and just thought, I can't do this, I can't do this. But then you go back into mum mode, and it's like, no, you need to do this. It's not his fault he's teething, and whether that's giving him a bit of cowpaw, you now I do everything possible before I need to give him that cowpaw. But you know, sometimes a bit of cowpaw, and then he is happy watching a wee bit of telly, Coco Melon. That is a different ball game. Don't start that one. Please don't. But no, it is. It's, it's crazy. Motherhood is a roller coaster and it changes your relationship. Like, nobody will explain it. It was just me and my husband for four years. We could go to bed when we wanted. I worked night shift. It worked for me. I didn't sleep at night. You know, he went to work. I used to be able to sit and go for baths for like two hours. I could read my book, I could watch telly, I could play the, the PlayStation, um, go out and get drunk before COVID happened. But it, it does, it changes your whole dynamic because it changes sex, which is a big thing, you know, and <laughs> you need to find places to do it because babies do cock block, 100%. They have this sense of like, oh, what are they doing? Um, but yeah, it, it is get on birth control, but use a condom with that birth control because sadly, not all birth control works, and I very well know that as I currently just found out I am pregnant. Um, around five weeks, I was on the pill and the pill failed, which is the two percent chance, and I hit that jackpot of a two percent chance. So I will have a thirteenth or fourteen month old baby roughly with a newborn. I don't even want to know, but it's a journey, and I think my little boy had everything at the beginning, and I know what I'm doing now, to a certain degree, because now it's figuring out two instead of just the one, but yeah, I want to see how different this pregnancy is compared to my first pregnancy, I'll probably do a podcast on that, maybe around 12 weeks, and then 20 weeks, and then well, I'd say to 36 weeks, but I'm hoping to get to 40 weeks at least for this baby, but no, because at, the, at my pregnancy with Finlay, I, I was ill, couldn't get my head off a pillow, I could only mince, imperial mince is what I lived on at one point, and water, I had to water with me 24-7, I didn't eat, I'd lost weight being pregnant, but this pregnancy, I've had one sick day, um, but no, nothing, I didn't even know I was pregnant, but my husband told me I'd been erratic. But it is, it's scary to think I'm going to be a mum of two so quickly with all these fertility issues. You know, nobody, nobody would ever told me four years ago I'd have had one baby, let alone two, in the space of a year. 
it really is but I hope for you to come on this journey I hope that I can tell you all the amazing parts to the parts where the baby shits on you after you've just been for a shower or just everything in between really it, it is a, it's a journey and I don't want to sugarcoat things because I wish somebody had had that with me and told me, you know, this is what happens and it's not enjoyable at all. There's moments where you do rethink, oh, this is, is this what it's like to be a parent? Like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life kind of thing. But no, I wouldn't change it. It is hard and I would not change one second of it.